What is up, Devil fans? Welcome to the Trap Podcast. I am your host, Bill Botch, and I got Bill Sr., a.k.a. The Pickle, here with me. Hey, hey. The levee broke last night. Huge win in Newark, Game 5, as our New Jersey Devils win 4 to nothing over the New York Rangers. Welcome to the trap, everybody. It is good to see everyone and hear from everybody. And, uh, wow, it has been quite the 24 hours. Sorry for getting to you guys so late. I have a family and work and everything else that uh, goes on in real life that we weren't able to get this done a little bit earlier. But hopefully everybody is able to enjoy the next hour or so where we cover what went down last night at the Prudential Center. It was awesome. So my my old man flew in for the game. He's here with me now in studio. And my wife came out, bunch of friends. It was a really, it was a scene. We knew that The Rock was going to be crazy after the Devils win two big away games to get them back in the series at Madison Square Garden. Uh, you, you typically you would think that Ruff wouldn't mess with the lines after two really solid games. Obviously, game three, they win in overtime on the Dougie Hamilton goal, a great defensive effort. And then game four, they come back and they kind of build off of that effort. And the game four victory was the best overall, in my opinion, the best defensive game I've seen the Devils play all year, maybe in years. Really, really well done. Um, it was a It was a group effort, too. Typically, you would think that Ruff would keep the lines together, but he ended up shuffling the lines around a little bit. And in my opinion, I really liked what he did with the lines last night. I have been a big fan of Nico and Brat playing together, and I've been a big fan of Timo playing on the third line because I don't think he necessarily needs... He doesn't need a guy like Nico Heischer. He doesn't need a guy like Jack Hughes to drive play. He kind of can drive play and make you have three solid lines. So what he did was they ended up bringing Tatar back up to play on the left wing with Nico, and then they dropped Meyer down to the third line. They moved Mercer over to center, which he's obviously been playing wing most of the year, and then they brought Jesper Boquist up. All moves that I really liked, like... Boquist should not be playing on the fourth line. Um, Mike McLeod, while I think he was... Mike McLeod deserves to play in different parts of the ice, but but he really thrives as a fourth liner. And them moving McLeod back down to the fourth line uh, and then moving Boquist up and then having Mercer have the opportunity to play with Meyer, it really opened up. We had we had a middle six, which we did not have in the previous game, in my Definitely opinion. Definitely did. So, um, so that was good. Uh, you know, going into the game last night, I, it was something that we kept bringing up over and over and over, or I kept bringing up anyway. And it was how important the first goal was going to be in the game. And, you know, we were kind of debating it on the way up to the game with a, a buddy of ours. And I was trying to explain to him, if the Devils can score the first goal, then it allows allows a lot of things. It lets your goalie get a little more comfortable. It allows you to play a little more responsible defensively and try to counter. But more importantly, if the Devils were able to score two goals, I thought that that would be the biggest difference maker. It would be the biggest opportunity. So... Sure enough, the Devils were able to go up 2-0, and you see what they were able to do. Puts the Rangers in a position where they have to expose themselves by taking offensive chances, and that lends itself to the Devils' speed and opens up the neutral zone, which is the Devils' bread and butter. So um, you see what happens and how big a, a, a lead really is in this game, and obviously the game starts off the, the vibe around the rock was great. NHL Network was there. And then you had the Let's Go Devils podcast, and you had all the devil personalities out and about 
the rain held off. It was a nice afternoon. People hung out outside and um, people were really excited. There were, there definitely were not as many Ranger fans as game three um, or no, as, as game two. And there were probably a little bit more than game one. I would say it was probably 20% to 25% Ranger fans uh, being honest. But they didn't have anything to cheer for last night, which was good because seeing them party in our building was a really hard pill for me to swallow over the past week, you know. Um, and I'm sure if I was in the garden, I'm sure that Ranger fans felt the same way seeing, seeing Devils fans there um, enjoy two victories on the road. Now, going in, you were wondering, is this going to be the game where the home team finally gets a W? And um, sure enough, it was. What did you think of the experience uh, prior to the game? And uh, what were your thoughts on the vibe around the rock before uh, puck drop? The vibe around the rock was crazy. I mean, did we have like, did we have the craziest crew outside there? Like there was, it was, it was a little bit of everything out there and they, everybody chipped in and pretty much debused all the Ranger fans out there. You know, we had the face painters and we had the brat pack and we had just everybody there just rolling it on. We had the hillbilly crew sitting by us. <laughs> I mean, there was some there was some strange personnel out there, but everything was everybody there had had one purpose to make the Ranger fans feel uncomfortable. And I think that 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 was a success. Yeah, we know how to do that. We have some serious characters in our fan base. Like, let's be real. It's it's there are some uh, some strange some strange birds for sure. But nonetheless, um, the game gets off to the start. The place is rocking. Arlette sings the national anthem, and we get right into it. And literally thirty nine seconds into the game, Andre Palat scores an unassisted goal that gets this place completely going crazy. And um, I listened to we I watched part of the broadcast again today and they said that they thought that Jack Hughes might have intentionally tried to lose the face off because he saw that Vinny Trochak saw that. was winning the puck back that. towards his own goalie. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if I, I don't know I, if it's I, true either. I don't I don't I don't, I don't I don't really believe that to be honest with you. Um but nonetheless, Palat's able to get a dirty one under a minute into the game and the Devils are off to a hot start, and they really never looked back. Um, it was, it was, um, it was important to get some secondary scoring and to rely on some other players besides Jack Hughes, who's obviously been probably our best player, definitely the, has been putting up the most amount of points. Um, and we needed to get Dawson Mercer going at one point. Dawson Mercer could have been dropped to the fourth line, uh, but. They get they get him centering the line with Timo Meyer and Jesper Boquist, and it was really awesome to have um, Dawson Mercer come out and really have his first playoff coming out party last night. Um, we can get into Mercer into specific plays and everything else, but what were your thoughts on Dawson Mercer last night? It was our secondary scoring man. We're all the people that we needed. Um, I was saying from the very beginning that I thought that we were going to have this breakout game and the floodgates were going to open. And I think I predicted a five, two win, but when, you know, when all said and done, the guys that scored the goals were the guys I wanted to see score goals. I was sorry that Brat and Nico haven't gotten one yet, but seeing Eric Holla, you know, do so well and um, seeing Mercer, I mean, the, the kid had the best, probably the best game I've seen him play in half a year. Um, he was just everywhere doing everything that needed to be done. Yeah, he could have um, he could have been in on more goals. Um, he he actually rang one off the post in the first period, which could have put the Devils up by two. Um, that it, was what under a minute too. That would have been a backbreaker too. Yeah. Yeah, no, he he looked really good. It was finally good to see him going. He ended up with um he ended up with an assist and a goal on the night and obviously the the big goal was his short-handed goal 
and we'll get into all that. But um, it was just good to see getting other people going. Along with Mercer going, you had Palat going too. And like Palat really, to me, Palat was one of the best players on the ice. He got that empty net goal the other night, and um, we can dig into his analytics if you want. But what did you think of the way that Palat played last night? I thought Palat played really good. I thought, you know, I thought that he can he, you know, he owed us one. That's what I kept on saying, and he came through. Um, getting that first goal is fantastic, and just you know, he's a tough guy, man. He just plays so tough and frees up so much ice for everybody around him. Yeah, I thought he played amazing. His expected goals for were zero point four eight five. He had five shots on net. I mean, he had a couple opportunities to where if it wasn't for Shesterkin, this thing could have got away from them really quick. Um, so the Devils end up they they go into the they go into the um, well actually Nico drew a penalty too on a on a back check. Sabanajad. Sabanajad, yeah, kind of interferes with them and causes and, and takes a penalty. Um, we weren't able to capitalize on it, but we go into the we go into the first uh, into the first intermission and we're up one nothing. And you have to be really w happy with the way that the team um, played. You get into some of these stats. Uh, the Devils had 43 shots on net compared to 22 from the Rangers. And um, the Rangers out hit the Devils by almost 100%. So the Devils had 23 hits and the Rangers had 43. You know, a lot of the Rangers' heaviness came at the expense of their defensive play. So I think, like, you saw... Truba had a had a couple big hits. One in particular that sticks out to me was a hit that he had on Marino that led directly to a two-on-one. Um, and uh, Schneider, he looks like a guy who I've seen get himself out of position trying to play super heavy, which I respect, and I know that that's part of the game, that you, you know, especially in the playoffs. But it's leaving opportunities for our team, and it's nice to see that the Devils are finally starting to capitalize on some of these Can opportunities. Can I ask you a question? Does does Truba's game, does it remind you of Smith's game? I mean, last night he seemed to get himself into trouble multiple times, like lead to odd man rushes, just trying to throw a big hit. Yeah, well, I think I think the problem with Truba is, if I'm a Ranger fan, is he's not very, he's not quick. I know, and neither is Smith, and that's you know, is it a is it a when we were growing up, you were saying Smith throws the big hit because he knows he can't get back. He's like in between. He doesn't know, you know, should I go forward? Should I go back? Yeah, see, yeah, see, I, I agree. I think Truba is a better, much better defenseman than, than no, Brendan I, Smith. I know that. that goes without saying. But um, I think he's like kind of put into this position where he feels responsible to be the heaviest player and to make a big and to make a big play throughout a game. Um and that's kind of like a, it's a double-edged sword. It's nice to be the leader of your team, and it's nice to play physical and lead by example. And then it's another thing to cost your team by trying to play too heavy. Right. He, But he's been the guy that in the playoffs, all the playoffs last year, he threw the big hit on, you know, on the key player from the other team, and that that moved them forward. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I mean, when we were talking about Brendan Smith, we were talking about, you know, Smith plays. You're, you're always wondering, why is Smith jumping into the play so much offensively? And I think that's because he is so far out of the play and doesn't have the speed to keep up defensively that it's actually his best option to hop in and try to keep the play alive in the offensive zone rather than get caught trying to get back. So that was one of the things that we brought up about him. Um, one of the things that impressed me most about the game last night was uh, in our defensive effort was our block shots. So let's get into block shots. The Devils blocked 24 shots last night. That's amazing. That really is. That is a lot. That is a, that and they blocked some big ones. Marino took a nasty, nasty slap shot. Yeah, Marino blocked a big, a 
Marino blocked a, uh, blocked a big one off of his foot, and you saw the response that it got from the bench between Dougie Hamilton and Vitek Vanacek, and they were all, you know, they were all happy for him. He got some stick taps. Blocking shots is a big deal, especially in the playoffs, and it shows the commitment and it shows the sacrifice that you're willing to make for your teammates. That's like one that your teammates definitely um, appreciate. It was the second most in playoff game history for the franchise wow. in a game. There you go. And we played with They're some committed. serious shot blockers in the past between Andy Green and Ken Danico. And like you go down the line, I mean, we've, there's been some real serious shot blockers. Last night was a team effort. It wasn't one guy in particular, but um, the Devils were at it again last night when it came um, to five on five. The They edged the Rangers in um, grade A opportunities at 16 to nine and 22 to 10 across all situations. They were really good. And I think you look at the way that the team is starting to play in front of Akira Schmid, and obviously he is kind of taking the league by storm um, with his play of recent. He is literally 80 for 82 in his last three games. He's a kid who gets dumped into a situation where you're playing in Madison Square Garden, your team's on the ropes, and his calmness that he brings to the crease and that he brings around the crease I mean, there's very little flailing. There's very little, uh, you know, every every move looks so precise and so well thought out. He's not wasting any energy on making any extra movements. He did have a couple really big saves last night. And the, the biggest one to me wasn't the Kako save. The biggest one to me was the Panarin save. Right. And right. it was in the first period... Jesper Bratt, who had a really rough game last night, not really rough, but he did not have a good game last night. He turned the puck over and he tried to dump the puck off to, I guess it was Severson, who was in the middle of a line change. It turns into a three on one. Panarin comes down the wing, lets it rip, and Schmidt just saw it so nice. He didn't, you know, didn't let up a rebound yeah. or anything. And that was a really big moment because at the time it was it was just one nothing. And that could have been an opportunity for the Rangers to get back into the game and try to gain some momentum. And he snuffed that out real quick. And uh, that, if I could jump in, he would he call it that that save he had there, he had Tarasenko wide open. So it was like, why is he shooting that on a three on one? Um, I think Nico was getting back on that play. So he had to go through through one of the devils. But he had Tarasenko like sitting right there where if he just would have dished it off. And I think it's because he hasn't been scoring the same thing as Zabatajad. They're just, the guys are frustrated and they're forcing not, it. Yeah, they're forcing it. They're not playing the way that they, they would normally play. So if you go into the underlying stats, Akira Schmid had an expected goals against of 2.19. Um, Actual goals against were obviously zero. He had a you know a shutout, so he had a two point one two goals saved above expected. Um, rebound expected rebound shots against one point six three seven. He was just expected unblocked shot on net percentage seventy five point eight. He was great. He was really good. I mean. You know, I didn't think he looked as good in game four as he did in game three, to be honest with you. And I, and he still played, obviously, phenomenal. He came back tonight, and he looked great. And obviously, the, he had this amazing save where he was scrambling. And it was one of the first times you really seen him scramble around the, the crease. And he was on his back, and he made, trust me, like, Kako didn't get all of it. But it would have went in. He was able to make a really big save uh, on Kako. There were a couple scrambles around the net. The one um, Jack Hughes ends up clearing from his from his stomach, and give it up to Jonas Siegenthaler for really giving. Who was that? Was it um? Was it uh? It was uh. Was oh, it Kreider? No, or, no, or good no. Lind Lindgren. Oh, oh, right. he gave Lindgren a rough ride in front right. of the net and punched him in the back of the head right, like three right. times, and then jumped on his back and like. 
you could tell like it was playoff hockey. This is like, he doesn't care. It's like, he'll do whatever he has to do to win a game. And I don't think you're ever going to have somebody call Jonas Siegenthaler soft ever again, or he's no, never going to no, sit in a playoff no. game ever again, because he went from, we need somebody heavier, healthy scratch to standing people up at the blue line and taking the body every chance that he has. He really, you could tell he took that personal um, because the, the shots that he was giving that he was giving Lindgren last night were that of a guy who he doesn't give a shit about anybody's feelings or what's dirty or what's not. And he was looking to win a game and, and to dive right into um, to guys that play like that is Timo Meyer. And it's right. like Timo Meyer does not give a shit about your feelings or if something is unsportsmanlike or he doesn't play dirty, but he is in the head of Igor Shesterkin big time right now <laughs> he's buried like an alabama tick in there i mean it's just crazy where igor's taking shots at him all the time now i i was really disappointed in the the call last night where they gave meyer an unsportsmanlike conduct call for tapping his, igor's stick during a scrum by the net and Igor came out and hit him, and then and then Truba really gave him a a, a pretty damn good he punch to the him. face. He punched him in the face, yeah. Punched him in the face while he wasn't looking, and they took both of them. And this has been something that we've seen from Chris Rooney, who is a, a referee that has consistently tried to make the game more about himself than about no one wants no one no one wants to no one cares who you are, dude. Like an unsportsmanlike. When was the last time you saw an unsportsmanlike penalty in a, in a hockey game? And then you think about it, and it's like, when was the last time you saw an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in a playoff game? We had two last night. I know. We had two unsportsmanlike and conducts. And I still can't figure out what the... And, and the Severson one... The Severson one ...is was. going to be, he didn't like what Severson said to him. And that is fucking ridiculous. But he left his mic on when he called that to, like... To have like a little extra comment. Oh in no, there he so wanted to be on stage. Hear. He yeah. wanted to be on stage. Absolutely. He left his mic on in the rink. And that was you are literally gonna call a penalty on somebody for saying something to you. Like it is an unwritten rule that you can pretty much say whatever you want to a referee. Like you you right. could you right. could say really crazy stuff. Yeah. To call it in the playoffs during a two goal game was ridiculous and it's that's poor officiating you should not be involved in the game dude like if someone's chirping at you like you should not be you, involved you, in the game if you're a referee you should have thick skin that should be the the number one requirement on, like that was a really bad call i mean and nico freaked out about it on the ice he was not happy with the call and rightfully so but getting back to timo meyer um Timo could have literally had four goals last I night. Know. He got robbed. He got he, robbed a couple times by he, great goaltending. He got robbed. He got robbed by great goaltending. This game could have easily have been a six to nothing game or possibly seven to nothing. Igor Shesterkin stood on his head, and we got him going. And we got in his head. He was clearly extremely upset. Um, you know, you saw him, he took his helmet off and he skated over to the bench and he was barking at everybody. And, you know, the Igor chants were great last night. That's one of my favorite things to do is to try to torment a goalie at home. Um, especially we with a guy that we know could get rattled who plays on our biggest rival. But man, Shesterkin made some huge saves last night. How about how, how about, many saves did he make? How about to show how much he was riled when he came out of the net? And Brat stole the puck from him and went to the corner, like he, oh yeah, yeah. He was like he came out to try and beat Brat, right? To uh, try to race play a, to the puck, try to play a puck, and, and, and it was like that. Just that that I think that kind of blew his mind. Yeah, and then everybody got on him for that, and there were the Nick, and there were the there was the the Igor chants going on. Schmidt is better and, chant. Debatable. Uh, that was my chant. That, that was yeah. my chant. I got it going in our section. I did. Because Schmidt is better. Schmidt was better last night. Yeah. Um, there was, you know, there was a lot going on. I thought, I don't care that Nico Heischer hasn't been on the board yet. Um, 
he, to me, has been the best player in the series. And you look at the one-on-one that's going on between him and Zabanajad when they're up against each other, and we clearly have a winner in that yeah, in absolutely. that debate. Um, I thought that, you know, my favorite hockey player is Patrice Bergeron. And I think there's an entire genre of people who are Patrice Bergeron fanatics. And, like, he has basically created this game. Not that two-way players didn't exist prior to him, but there's a, there's a, a, a whole generation of people who look up to Patrice Bergeron as the most complete player uh, forward in a, in a whole generation. You think like Dawson Mercer brought right, it up yeah. and like basically everybody does. You go like, you know, Kopitar, Barkov, um, Sean Couturier, like guys that just play. All players that aren't selfish. Guys that play 200 feet. And I when the Devils drafted Nico Heischer, we knew that he had a 200-foot game and we knew that he can play a good d- defensive game. And this has really been the he's been put on the stage and is getting the kind of respect that he deserves to be a Selkie award winner for the first time via ESPN and NHL network and all that they're, they're acknowledging it. And once you fall into people's good graces for that kind of play, which is like an old school hockey mentality with skill, um, it goes a long way, and I think like you get that res- you earn that respect. That once you become known as one of those players, it's something that sticks with you for your entire career. And then all the players that play around you respect the way that you play. Like if you think about it, like all the players that play with Bergeron respected him. Zdeno Chara respected him. Like looked at him like a co-captain. And you look at the way Brad Marchant looks up Victor to him, and and everybody. You know, Victor Hedman had talked about him after they played them in the playoffs and he sticked them and he was like, that's so unlike me. I, I don't play that game. Oh, and I was Hedman, talking about Bergeron, but you're talking about Nico Heischer. I'm talking about Nico. Yeah, I'm talking about Bergeron. I'm talking about all the people that have played with Bergeron. They all look up to him and kind of hold their game to another level. They add a different dimension to their game. So, you know, I, I think what it does is you have younger players that are going to be playing with Nico Heischer. He's going to have this reputation moving forward that we knew, we all knew about it as devil fans. But I think once you get into the public stage and people can, and you put it on display, you're going to have a lot of young players that are going to be playing with him moving forward that are going to go the extra mile to learn how to play good defensively and learn how to play smarter. Look at just the way that Jack Hughes has played in the past week compared to how he played for the past two seasons of his career he's playing smarter defensively he really is and and he's willing to do things like he's in a net mouth scramble trying to clear a puck like that wasn't the jack hughes that we saw last year i agree i agree and i think that he sure really sets the tone for all that and that's why he is the captain he's had a 73.85 expected goals for percentage at even strength so when he is on the ice the other team's expected goals for percentage is 26.15%. They had a pretty big Nico chant, him going down to offset the the icing last night. Yeah, so, I mean, that goes to show you, like, the crowd was so involved in in everything. And, I mean, Nico goes down, he negates an icing, and a Nico chant takes over the building. This is a guy who hasn't got on the board yet, but everybody knows how important that he is um, among 209 skaters with 60-plus minutes of ice in the playoffs, he is the highest in the entire NHL in expected goals for a percentage. Wow. He's driving That's play. Big. Yeah, he definitely is. And you're playing anybody with him, and they're looking good. And obviously, he had the pass to Siegenthaler on the game-winning goal the other night. He had a bunch of opportunities tonight that Shesterkin robbed him. Right. Robbed him. Like, he really, I thought he played great. I thought his shot selection was great. The Devils did miss the net quite a bit in the beginning of uh, in the beginning of the game. But um, I'm really, I'm beyond happy for Heischer. 
He had that long shift at the end of the second period where he got caught out on the ice, um, and they were diving all over trying to block right. shots and block pucks, and it basically took him the entire TV timeout to get, to up get up himself the off the ice. <laughs> but you see the effort that he's putting in, and you see the leadership qualities, and you saw him choke out Fox, and you see him kind of really going after everybody. And Nico Heischer, to me, looks like he could be the next Bergeron-esque type player or Barkov-esque type type of player. And players like that do not grow on trees. There's a reason he was picked number one overall. And it's because people like him were built for the playoffs too. I mean, like that's, you need players that are, that are well-rounded players in the playoffs. I mean, look at, you know, you look at like Panarin and you look at Kane. It's like guys that are extremely skilled um, that's what is impressing me about Jack Hughes. You see guys that are so skilled, but not everybody can play in the playoffs because it does. It gets heavy. You, you need to – you're, you're kind of out of your comfort zone a little bit. There's not as much time. There's not as much open ice. Um, I think I think he sure is driving, driving play. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. He, he definitely is. Um. To me, one of the, I mean, he's been one of the best players the entire playoffs has been our boy, Eric Halla. And, and Eric Halla has led the Devils. Um, he's, he's, he's just been a leader on the team. And he had a big one last night. He had five shots on net, two goals, an assist. He had three points, expected goals, 1.39. He had 18 minutes of time on ice. He's been amazing on the penalty kill. Special teams, both sides. I mean, they didn't count as a power play goal, but, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that goal in, in the – you're talking about the Hall of Goal, obviously. Um, the Hall of Goal had so much nice stuff going on in it that. It was Mercer and Hall together. No. Both of them. No, and it was Severson. Severson walked the line. Severson keeps the puck in with pressure. He walks, he tight ropes the blue line from one side of the ice to the other, and then he's able to get the puck not on the outside. He puts it through on the middle, gets it to Mercer, who turns around exactly. and gets a shot, and it gets tipped by Halla, and it's a huge goal. And that video of Halla on one knee sliding across while Shesterkin's laying face down is awesome. He had his son at the game too, on the glass, right in the corner. Yeah, he his kids usually his kid usually does come to the game. You know, we've talked about it. I think like the Hallas are I think the most loved uh, family of of the Devils at this point. I do. I think like more people really like having them around. Um, but Hollow was amazing, and you see the pressure that he puts up during the penalty kill. He puts a lot of pressure on the puck holder who who is trying to quarterback a power play, and it's what I would like to see Mercer do a little bit more. He was out there with Mercer, and if you watch it again, Mercer doesn't play as aggressive, and it's mainly because I think he doesn't want to get caught out of position, but... Mercer put a little pressure on Fox last night. Fox throws the puck over pretty wildly to Panarin. It bounces off of his shin pad, and Hollett picks it up right away, gets on his horse, and it's a two-on-one. And damn, Dawson Mercer can finish. I mean, that was bar down. That was a good And you've finish. seen him do that time and time again where he, he goes bar down on that slapper. He has a good one-timer off of the rush. Um that's something that I would keep an eye on moving forward that you might see more of because that's not something that you just do one or two times or three times. And that's something that he's had in his pocket for a long time. Um, you've, even, you've, you've even seen a, in a couple of games where he's had the puck kind of in between the faceoff circles and he's kind of done like a turnaround slap shot that's he's right. went bar down. Right. And it's like he has that. He has that like half wound slap shot that he's able to place exactly where he wants it. And that's the goal scorer's goal right there. Um, but once they had that shorthanded goal, oh my God, the place was rocking. <laughs> that was like the ultimate fuck you to the Rangers and their power play and to their fans and everybody else. Um, and what was awesome was. The Rangers came out and they iced the puck right after that while still on the power yeah, play and yeah. everybody the building was going nuts. Uh 
The fans were great. They were just glued to every play. They actually, I feel like majority of the fans that I heard screaming and, and people get emotionally involved. And sometimes when that happens, people say a lot of stupid things, um, especially when there's a lot of alcohol and everything involved. I thought that the co the comments I've heard from the fans were actually, it was impressive. It, it was like people knew what they were talking about for the most part. And they gave a crap about little plays that necessarily don't get reactions from a crowd. So clean breakouts or get chipping a puck out of a zone or Nico saving an get, icing, getting a, getting, getting a puck deep. You know what I mean? Like they weren't cheering, but they, they knew that the game was being played the right way and they didn't let it take any of the life out of the building. So uh, that was, that was well done by, by devils fans. Um, Let's get into, let's get in the Kevin Ball. I was, I was just going to say, let me, let me ask you, what did you think about Kevin Ball last night? Yeah. I mean, he was amazing. I mean, hitting the hit, the reverse check on Goodrow behind the net. Vizi uh, looked like a bug on, on the highway coming up 95 from Florida. I mean, just a, a great hip check on VZ. And then, you know, was, he had a great slap shot on net. Um, you know, he played. I think he played his best game ever. And I'm I, not talking about the fight. It's like because the fight no, was the just. Fight, he answered the bell and it was it was a pillow thing. fight because nobody it really wasn't a landed pillow fight, any but it, it was, punches. But it, it was a fight, but. It, it was way more than the fight, and and I would agree with you. And I think like there was a part of me that thought like, wow, this is like Kevin Ball kind of like knowing that he could take over a game. He's watching Absolutely. like he has the confidence to where I I could I'll take all of you out. We need a spot and, for him. And you're like, wow, like you know maybe this is him realizing like how impactful he can be. Um. You know, I wonder, I really do. I, I sit here and I, I wonder, what is the ceiling for Kevin Ball? Yeah, well, how many mistakes do you see him make? It's it, like I haven't seen him make mistakes for a while. And, you know, guys coming into the league, rookies are going to, he's not a rookie, but he hasn't played a lot of games. They're going to make mistakes. And he's playing like a seasoned veteran. And his size and his speed, and he really has a good shot. But but last night, it, to me, it was like he knew I'm going to use this size, and I'm going to be exactly the player that I want to be. That's what like when I watched that shift. To me, he he looked like he was just he did he he kind of had the reverse hit behind the net. It got the crowd going. And then Jimmy VC tries to come down the boards and he stuck his ass into him and he stuck him. And he, he looked stuck, like Kiprios. He stuck him. <laughs> he stuck him good. And I was thinking to myself, wow, like, okay. Like, and then he went after Goudreau again in the corner. And now at this place, the place is going nuts. And you're thinking, this is somebody who is really finding their game. Like, this kid is, you know, I think at the beginning of his career, he was you know, nervous about being caught out of position. It's much, much harder to hit somebody in the NHL than it is to hit somebody in the AHL or the OHL. And once you start getting that timing down, and a lot of it has to do with confidence. And it's like once you have that confidence to where you feel comfortable in your timing, if if he's a second late, VC skates by him, and it's you look really foolish. You know what I mean? Like, right. And... um. You just saw, like, you saw a young kid take over part of a game really quick. And I, uh, it's funny because it made such an impression that uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick brought it up on the 32 Thoughts podcast today. First one that Palat scored, but also, like, especially a crowd like Jersey's, when they're playing for the Rangers, they're like, we're out for blood when Kevin ball is running over guys three times in a row or however much it was. Here's Meyer though, pouncing on a loose puck for ball. Oh, he does a big shoulder hit on Barkley Goodrow. 
Goodrow came up on the young defenseman and Ball just banged him. Just stuck out his butt, knocked him flying. Oh, no, another kick hit. hit far side by Ball. Hip check on Jimmy Beasy. The crowd loves it. That building is going bananas. Two of their favorite defensemen of all time are Ken Danico and Scott Stevens. This should surprise nobody. Yes. This should surprise nobody at all. It energizes your crowd. Now, yeah. like, now you're really going. And Ball had a couple of shifts there where I was like, well, this guy's making a difference. And good on him. You know, people forget he was part of the Taylor Hall deal. Yep. I remember when, when he was traded, there were some guys said to me, well, you can't teach size, but I don't know if this guy is a player. On Thursday night, I saw this guy making a difference in a huge playoff game. Yep. I think swagger matters, and that's why Jack Hughes is so important, aside from the fact that he's a great player. But they were losing this series, and Hughes still had the swagger, and now everybody on that team is caught up with him. If they had any doubt they could win after game two, it's over, and now they think they're going to win. And, like, that Ranger team, they are reeling that ranger team is reeling and i mean you hear you hear about you know kevin ball starts getting national uh you know visibility you know one of the things that i remember one of his coaches said when he, he played for the the ottawa 67s and one of his coaches said kevin ball is not messing around like that was what they right, said like right. this is a serious yeah. kid um and he's only 22 years old. If his game continues to grow, he's six foot seven. He's got reach, but he's, you know, he's not six foot six or six foot five like Shakir Mukamadulin was. He's six foot seven, but he's got weight to him. He's already got two, you know, 200 plus pound kid. I, you know, and I, he's done it at each level in the AHL <clears throat> for Utica. They were selling shirts, balls to the wall. Because he, you know, he was able to do what he did last night in the AHL, night after night. Now he's in the NHL. First part of the year, I was like, boy, I'd really like to see him become more, you know, a little more physical. And I think he has the confidence now where he sees. He could skate with anybody and nothing has changed. You know, game got a little faster, but he could still do it. Yeah. Yeah, he looked really great. I think John Marino also had himself another amazing game. He's been a dominant player. Our entire defensive core looks really good. Um, and it, and it's like they've really clogged up the neutral zone. They haven't really gave the Rangers much. Um, and when they do, they try to get it to the outside, and, and you look how comfortable and how calm Schmidt is behind them. It. The thing that impresses me most about Schmid is how sustainable it looks. He doesn't look, this doesn't look like a fluke. This doesn't right. look like a guy who's flopping all around making these acrobatic saves. This looks like a guy who's just, you know, some people when they go down into the butterfly look bigger than other people. He's already 6'5". There's a big 6'5", and then there's, you know, 6'5 is big regardless, but there's a big 6'5", and then there's a real big 6'5", and he goes down... His, he opens up his legs. I mean, how many how many goals have you seen that he had Sabanajad right between the dots there? Fire one oh, on the power just play. Kicks it out. And his ankle was yep. you know, he was almost stretched all the way across from, the whole from post to post. He really looks extremely comfortable and so poised and he looks, you know, we've talked about it time and time again, how it, it just it looks like something that can continue to grow. Um you know, you brought it up to me earlier that Schmidt has had two hip surgeries, and it's yeah, like, and they, they, the coach said that he changed his game, and that's like that was only two and a half years ago, and he had to change his game because of the surgeries, and now you look at, you know, you look at who's leading the league in the playoffs, and I know he's only played three of those games, but he's leading in shutouts, you know, save percentage, he's nine seventy six. Against the Rangers that have Kane, you know, Tarasenko, sure. Zabanajad, Panarin, and, um, you know, it's that's and a goals against average of 0.063. That's that's pretty impressive. No, it's insane. And, you know, 
you could tell that Mika is having a problem. He can't get on the board, and Panarin can't get on the board, and uh, you could tell they're starting to get frustrated. Like you said, like the on the three on one, Panarin shoots where typically he's a guy that would have passed that puck. I that think that was a pass all and day long. And then Mika Zibanejad, you could tell he's getting frustrated. He took a couple penalties last night, and he, you know, he basically cross checked Schmidt in the side of the head in front of the net. He got pushed into him, but. He could have got out of the way. He ended up taking a penalty for it. Um, he punched him in the head. He punched him in the head. With his, yeah. But it was like he had his stick in his hand, too. It was like almost like he like almost cross-checked him in the side of the head, too. And you could tell, I mean, we've clearly gotten into the head of Shesterkin, and I think they might be trying to rattle Schmidt at this point. Um, I don't know. One of the things that really like pisses me off about Shesterkin is... Every save he tries to make it look like it's yeah, like it's got to it's it's got everything make has the highlight real. Everything has to be a windmill. Everything has to be I like know. it's like, dude, take it easy. <laughs> exactly. We all know you're good. You're we good. all know you're probably the best goalie. Or maybe one of them. It's like, my God, right? Like every save I has know. to be like it's like you really are on Broadway, and and who, you know, you know who else is is Patrick Kane. Like, dude, Patrick Kane, like, you played and you won Stanley Cups and, you know, you're this great American legend. It's like, I understand it's the end of your career. Are you really going to be, like, an actor now and, like, dive and do all yeah, this stuff? Right, right. You know, you, you you dove on the on the Graves penalty in the garden, the high stick. Yep. And then last night you dive where, you know, somebody who... who Touched him. Timo touches him from behind. He flies into the boards and acts like he got, took one to the head. And you're like, dude, like, is that what your game has really come to? To where like you're literally taking dives to try to draw penalties because you don't really offer too much. I think he's a liability when he's on the ice. And if you noticed, the Rangers switched up their lines today. Oh, they did. They I did didn't see that. And they dropped Panarin to the third line. There you go. And they brought Tarasenko up. So. You're going to have a Kreider, Zivanejad, Tarasenko line. That is a very, very physical, heavy right, line. Right, right, With skill. That is something that you might want the Nico line to take. You know, if you wanted to combat that, you could add Timo to that line Back to add the, right. add the heaviness to the Nico part. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I it was... I thought it was interesting, and I thought that Ger Gerard Gallant kind of did the right thing. You saw the way that he responded after game four, and he came out, and he really gave it to his guys publicly. Yeah. And and you knew that he couldn't have been half the, happy after last night. And he didn't say boo. He didn't say anything. And, like, that at that point, you're you like. You don't have to. You don't, you have, don't to, have to. You don't have to. And, like, he respects his guys at least enough to know, like. Um, so I, I was – not that I care about the Ranger players, but I just thought that he handled that like a professional. Like that's what you do. He like, um, I don't think you could say anything to make them feel any worse than they did last night. Yeah, Shesterkin. I mean, if it wasn't for Shesterkin, this game is just way out of control. To be honest with you, I think it's six or seven to nothing. You think about he had, he robbed Timo two different times. He did. He did. He robbed Palat twice. He robbed Nico twice. These are all like high danger scoring chances, not breakaways or anything, right. but very good scoring chances. And you saw the way that the, you know, the Rangers went into the third period. They're down by three goals. And you know they're gonna you're gonna get a push from them. And the Devils outshot him twenty to two. Yeah. Two shots. Twenty on that. to two. And it wasn't just twenty, you know, these were twenty high danger scoring chances were coming from all over. And you know that's why that's my point about scoring the first goal and in particular two goals to me is so important because it just forces them to open up and it forces them to engage their defensemen and it just leaves them you can't so, play the same game. so vulnerable. Yeah, you can't play the same game. And they can't get through the neutral zone with us. No. no. And, and um, man, tomorrow night is going to be crazy. Saturday night at MSG is going to be crazy. Um, we're going to be going, so we'll be there. Um, what are you expecting tomorrow night from the team? 
You know what? I really don't know. I But if you look at it from game one, we got a little better in game two. I thought game three, you know. You thought we three, got better in game two? No. I think, I, think we, no. I think we progressively have gotten better since game one. Um, I know the score was worse in, in game two, but I didn't think that we played as bad as we played in game one. Um, and then game three... Game three really could have been a coin toss. I mean, that game could have went either way. Think but about we if Dougie definitely played a lot better. Think about if no, I mean, I think we played. Game one was bad. Game two was worse. Game three was on a whole different page. Like that's a that it's like, game three. We played our game. We got back to playing our game. Kinda. We played really great defensively. Like which I thought was not necessarily our you know. No, but our defense our defensemen started jumping up into the play, which they didn't. Besides Dougie, we think, weren't doing. Think it. about if the if Dougie doesn't score that goal in game three. No, I know, I know. Then you know what? What They're, the hell? And that's momentum. It's like, you know, winning is contagious, losing is it, contagious. As much as momentum it is, is as, like as, as much everything. as it is momentum, I think it's confidence too. It is like, confidence. That's like that's like really to me, it's they are confident to where we are sure of ourselves. I know that, that if I do this the right way, which I've done a million times that and we do this, that we have the right people that can get there and we can make this happen. I think going in they were so nervous, oh God, it's our first playoff games and like can can we hang in the playoffs or like you know what does this how, how much different do we have to play like am i really built for the playoffs am i supposed to be playing in the playoffs and it took him a minute that one play from Dougie Hamilton you know that shot from Dougie Hamilton from Jesper Bratt like changed everything cuz they built off of that and they game 4 defensive play was a masterpiece right and then last night we get off to the early lead and it really the game lent itself right into our arms and we were able to use our speed and transition and we were able to still play very solid defensively um and you look at how many goals we scored this season i mean we had to start scoring some goals we weren't going to score one or two goals like, think about how good timo meyer and nico heischer have played and neither and of they them haven't have scored. scored a goal yeah but you have to think and like Jasper Bratt too. I mean, they've all played good. Bratt didn't have the best game last night, but they've all played really good and they haven't scored yet. But I mean, t I, to me, Timo Meyer and Nico Heischer have been so involved in every game. Yeah. Both of them. I mean, like, oh, no, absolutely. Who's been more involved in those two? I mean, besides Jack Hughes, who I think, I, you know, right. what's crazy was Hughes did not have a real good game last night. He was he not didn't. a big factor. And we have to stop letting him carry the puck in on power plays. I mean, that's something. And you looked at when we did score, it was, it was, I think it was uh, Timo, you know, so, slamming so, the puck around the, the, the boards and stuff and allowing us to forecheck to get the puck because they were stopping us coming in. So I don't necessarily, I'm not, I'm not down for dumping it in. On, I'm not a dump guy so this either. Is, this is, this is my take on it. My take on it is it's okay to pass the puck in the neutral zone to gain the line. You have more players on the ice than they do. So if you're coming with speed through the neutral zone, dish it off to the other side and just gain the line. Right. And, and it pushes everybody back. If Hughes gains the line with speed, even if he dishes it right before he does, you, you gain the line just inside the blue line and you force them back a little bit and then you're able to set up. Because when we set up, we move the puck around pretty well. We have been. But we just... It's, it's not just a matter of it, getting it's a matter it's a matter of like numbers like you're not going to i sometimes i just want him to gain the zone and then just hit the brakes let everyone continue to keep backing up a little bit and then just dish it and move it over and then like let people move it around first that, power play tried to go through four guys you can't do it yeah you know, it's impossible he's been doing it's that all impossible. year and it's like you know i think that that brat brings the puck in Right, we've talked. We, we, we've, yeah, we've, we've beat this to a dead horse. He does, but what I noticed in the second power play is they don't have a guy that just completely carries the puck up through the entire. They no. don't rely on one person. Right. So like Meyer had the puck, and then he just dished it to Tatar, and Tatar or Hall had just gained the zone, and then they were able to start making stuff happen from right. there. And it was like you could pass the puck in the neutral zone. One guy doesn't have to be the only person that gains the zone. Like. You don't think that every team knows that Jack Hughes is going to be the guy that carries the puck over the blue right. line at this point? No, they do. They do. Everybody. I mean, if we all know it, I mean, they clearly do. 
So why not dish it before you gain the zone? Right, because they're all going to be closing down on They're him. all, and he's like right in the middle of the ice too. He is. What I did notice was there was a bunch of plays where the Devils were able to pass the puck, not around the outside, but in the middle, up, up the, you know, down the center of the ice. Right. So they gave, they started playing more towards the outside, and they gave us some center of the ice passes, and we were able to make some up the middle passes, which I thought was and pretty good. Those are the plays that we weren't doing the first two games. We were afraid to throw the puck. We talked about that. We were afraid to give up the puck in the center of the ice, and we just kept everything to the outside, trying to get out of our zone and trying to get through the neutral zone. And now it's like they they look like dangerous passes, but it's like tic-tac-toe, and boom, we're out. Their passing last night was probably the best game I've seen them pass. Everything seemed to be tape to tape. There were no skipping pucks or anything like that. And we saw the puck bouncing on the Rangers, so it's not like, well, well the ice was better no. or this and that. Well, you saw, like, you see the confidence that they had when they start playing with a lead. Yeah. And that changes everything. They were in complete control. Like, they controlled the whole game. And that doesn't mean that the Rangers had a couple good scoring chances for sure. But I still think they were just so confident. And they, you know, when you have a cushion and your goalie's playing as good as he has, and you've been playing as good as you have defensively, it kind of goes to your head a little bit. You start thinking, oh, there's no way this is going to happen. If anything, we're putting up more on them because they have to take risks. Right. You know what I mean? You know, if you would have went into the game, we talked about going into the game, if you were to say, all right, the Devils are going to take three penalties tonight, there's going to be three shorthanded opportunities, you would have said, sign me up. The Devils only had two. Right. And they were bullshit. And we scored on one. And they were bullshit. <laughs> Both of them. Absolute. Absolutely. Bullshit. They were, you know, like you said, that was just like he wanted a stage. Leaving his mic on was so obvious. And then, you know, Shout out to Andre Pilat. You know, he, was, he had his 50th career playoff goal last night. 50. Wow. They were, they, were, they were talking about him on NHL Network, and they were saying that his first goal, like in, in the past like three seasons, going, you know, in the playoffs, have been empty net goals. Then he starts his scoring from there. He looked great last night. Yeah, he did. He looked really good. And man, he is so physical. Like going into a corner with him, right, or like right. in front of the net, he is a truck. We he, got some guys that can protect the puck. Well, he's built like Timo. Like the, he's just so big. Timo is already. He lives rent free in the Rangers' heads right now. Oh, absolutely. They're so they, into, they're so into Timo. Everybody's Meyer. gunning for him, and he just doesn't even care. No. He's like freaking Shrek, just skating around on the ice, <laughs> just not. Not taking all of Truba's just cross checks in and the face. slashes and nothing. Smiling and about like, it. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah. And he looks at them like he's confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's not, it doesn't it phase does. him. No, he looks at them like, like I'm, I'm confused. Why are you doing that when you know that the reason why they're, he, yeah. they're doing that is because he's kicking their ass at the corners and stuff? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been fun. It's been fun. Last night was a, Last night was a really fun game. Last night was a celebration for Devils fans. Like it's been so long since the team, since the team's fans have had an opportunity to actually celebrate the potential winning of a series. I mean, we had Game Three versus Tampa in 2018. Besides that, it's been 2012 since the Devils have won a game at home in the playoffs, and. The first two games of this series were so brutal. There was literally nothing to cheer for at all. And it's one thing if you don't have anything to cheer for. It's another thing if you have 25 or 35% Ranger fans in the building that are not only are you pissed off, but now these people are shitting on you. So, like, last night, with the energy that the Devils have, the two games, you know, from the garden that they came in with, and then the fan base, and then to get off to the the quick goal to start and then the shorthanded goal and Kevin ball and everything else. Like it was a real celebration of devil's hockey and what is to hopefully come moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, the devils have a chance to knock out the Rangers tomorrow. And there is, we're going to be in the building and there is going to be a lot of tension in the building. 
there's gonna be a lot. Uh, it's gonna be a nervous energy for Ranger fans thinking that. Sure, absolutely. You have to be kidding me. We're gonna lose another series where we were up by it's two. Deja vu all over and again. And it's like you have, you know, we went and got Tarasenko and we got Kane, and this is like we were supposed to be trying to potentially win a Stanley Cup, and you're wasting another year of Shesterkin, and you know you're wasting a year of Fox, and there's gonna be a lot of pressure on Panarin to where you're like we have to move him and you know all this stuff like when you lose in the playoffs the same they said there's nothing more dangerous to a general manager or to a coach than when you lose in the playoffs the same for the same reason you lost into the playoffs the year before right and they were saying that about Gallant today and it's like that is the kiss of death if you're a general manager a general manager too and well, it should were- be the general manager because when they made all those trades and you look at the trades that they did, you know, I I know nothing. But it was like you just bought in a bunch of superstars and hockey's like the one sport. It's not like basketball or baseball where, you know, yes, you know, I know, I know. You keep saying that, but like the Devils were looking at Tarasenko and Tarasenko is still a good player. He is a good player, but but to find the perfect and he could have been the perfect player for us but you look at to you know to put together a team after you win as many games as they won this year you didn't have to go out and like recreate the wheel you didn't have to go out and get Kane and this and that you know now you just bought in a bunch of superstars that are you know that were the best players on their team and it's like they want to everybody's you know vying to be the best player on the team. Panarin wants to be, Zabanajad wants to be, Kane wants to be, Tarasenko wants to be. They all want to be, you know. So I do don't you, think that's a team. I don't, I, think, that's I, I, I don't team. think I don't think that Tarasenko wants to be the best player on the team. I don't. I think he knows that he's I he know they're not stupid. Like like Kane and Tarasenko have been around a very long time. He's actually played the best. Tarasenko's good. Flat out. He's heavy. He's no, a guy that sure. you bring in the playoffs. You're like, yeah. this guy has a shot. He's heavy. He can play on our second power play. He can play in front of the net. Like, he plays off the rush. To me, Tarasenko was a smart pickup. Patrick Kane's only there because Patrick Kane basically... Wants to be on Broadway. Had to... Said, I'll only play for the Rangers. Right. Like, that's the only reason he's there. So, you know, but... Who's going to put him on TV? I just think, I just think that you're really... There's going to be there's a lot of pressure on the Rangers tomorrow, and we are in a in a in a really nice situation to where we you don't want to send this to Game Seven and give them any kind of momentum, but our games tend to be growing off of one another, and there's going to be people that could potentially be playing for their jobs tomorrow, and whenever that happens, and there's a nervous energy in the building, and if let's say the Devils get up early. You might have a crowd turn on you when you went from two nothing, you know, especially in New York, you go from a two nothing lead to the next four games you're swept by your rivals. You know what I mean? By your little brothers across they, the river. Yeah, and it's they like, had the boo birds out already. So they had the boo birds out on the power play, which happens. I mean, we've booed our power play Absolutely. time and time again. But um it should it's going to be interesting and like not to get too ahead of ourselves but we're watching the carolina islander game right now and you're thinking you know let's say the devils pull this series out who who do they play you want to see this series go seven but it would be carolina or the islanders would obviously is who we'd be playing just based off of this it's a tie game right now in the third I'm thinking that Carolina is probably going to end up figuring out a way to win this series. I like our chances against Carolina. I like our chances. And a then, lot. and and it's like if we could win that series, and I'm I know this is way ahead of everything, but you think Boston versus Toronto is going to be a really crazy series if that matchup happens? Which, um, I just want to see them go seven. Yeah, yeah. You want to see them? You want to see them take a beating? Oh wow. Panthers are winning right now. Oh. Three to two. So it's wow, it's crazy. That, that would work out much so, better so for me. It's it's crazy to think about what the the opportunities are beyond this round when just a week ago we were talking, you know, I just don't want to get swept. We I I just didn't want the season to be over. 
I mean, I had more fun this season, us winning all those games and then thinking that we're just, we're going down. I didn't want to get swept. But the eternal optimist knew this was coming. 4-1 tomorrow. My prediction, 4-1. 3-1 and an empty netter. We'll see what happens. Um, It is really been last night was amazing and everybody that i went with and that i met up with and um i was getting texts literally all night and all day from everybody if i didn't respond to everyone um my bad but tomorrow we are going into new york city to try to close out the rangers on broadway My name is Bill Botch, and I have Bill Sr. with me from the Trap Podcast. Let's close this thing out tomorrow. Let's go, Devils. Some other